That is who you are, Lord. You are awesome, Lord. We were singing in the, in the music room this morning. Our God, God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. Yes. Come on, we should be shouting this place down. <laughs> well, if you're a first-time visitor here, we're very very happy to have you here with us. Please pick up a gift bag if you did not get one at the entrance doors. And uh, this morning, Maggie, thank you for that Sunday Bible class. Amen. Amen. It was so wonderful. If you've never read Rick Joyner's book, The Final Quest, uh, she used the book to do an incredible teaching of the rewards of heaven. You know you're going to get rewards, don't you? So, uh, children, be good. <laughs> Crowns and a throne and rewards. <laughs> so next Sunday we are going to have the anointed teaching of Brian Patnaud. Thank you, Brian. Now, I need you to mark your calendars because... May 5th is National Day of Prayer. That's Thursday, May 5th. And previous to the main event, there's going to be 21 days of prayer. And TLC will host one of those pre-events on Thursday. Mark your calendar. Thursday, April 28th. And our glorious praise and worship team will be doing the, the worship. So please come that night. But most of all, for 21 days before the National Day of Prayer, do we ever need it now more than ever? Amen. Amen. Please be interceding for our country and for other countries and for Israel especially. God blesses those who bless Israel. So remember that. And now we're going to worship some more with our praise and offerings, our tithes and offerings. Let's praise God for it. And uh, Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his what? Riches, Riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Abba, Father, we love you. We love worshiping you. We love the fellowship of the brethren. God, you're so good to us. How can we be selfish about these monetary things? Oh, Lord, forgive us. But today we're going to bless you with our tithes and offerings. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Carol Schmidl, Linda Skilton, they're going to do a sign, signing to On Eagle's Wings.
Hallelujah. Good morning. So good to see all of you. And uh, so glad that you could come to the house of the Lord and worship. Praise his name. And uh, I hope that uh, you go out today different than when you came in. Hallelujah. Um, it's church time now. And uh, what I wanted to uh, share with you today, I shared with you a little bit last week what I was going to 
talk about today, and that's grudges. Now, grudges are like folks that ride motorcycles. I've shared this with you before. Someone that rides a motorcycle has either gone down or is going to go down. If you hadn't gone down yet, there's still time left. And I'll tell you this, grudges, you're either, you've either gone through a grudge, you might be holding one right now, but if you haven't done those two, you still got time. Chances are, sometime in your life, you will hold a grudge or someone will hold a grudge against you. You ever had someone hold a grudge against you? I mean, it's, it's like uh, the Hatfields and McCoys. Why are you shooting at the Hatfields? Well, because they're McCoys. And you go to the McCoys and you say, well, why are you shooting at the Hatfields? Because they're Hatfields. And Andy Griffin did this on an Andy Griffin show. Andy Taylor did it on an Andy Griffin show. And they just were doing it because. It's like the roast when you buy the roast and you go and you get it before you're going to cook it and you cut the ends off and then stick it in the pot and you bake it in water in the oven at 350, about 30 minutes a pound. And so you get the roast and someone says to you, well, why are you cutting off the ends of the roast? Well, because my mother did. You, you see, it's a habitual thing. Mother had a pot that wouldn't fit the roast. And so she cut the ends off. But we've got a pot big enough for the roast. Why cut the ends off? It's because it's something we've always done. You see, a grudge can come and it could start from nothing. It could just be something petty that you could have a grudge and hold a grudge or someone could hold a grudge against you that's just petty. Or it could be something very significant. Now, where is that significant? And what is the line? I mean, think about the things we've gone through the last few years that could start anger and then a grudge. Mask or don't mask. I mean, just think about it. Vaccine or don't vaccinate. Immunity or the vaccine works. Red or blue. Democrat or Republican. It can, it can start so easy. Social justice. Defund the police. Fund the police. I don't care what side of the line you're on. You'll find somebody on the other side of the line that will argue with you and those are ripe places for grudges. But there's a bigger question. Have you ever had a grudge against someone? Something that you've held that you may not be even, like the Hatfields, you may not even know why you're doing it. But you're doing it. And someone may have a grudge against you. Did you know that the Bible talks about grudges. 
it's not surprising that it does because it's something that we can get so easily tied up into and it can control our lives. That's all we can think about. It can eat us alive. Jesus is teaching and uh, he has something to say about grudges. He is talking about it. It's after the temptation of Jesus by Satan. And it's within this group of scriptures called the Sermon on the Mount, which covers many topics. I'm just going to choose one today. And after he goes through the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those, blessed are the peacemakers. He's getting into the law and how he didn't come to abolish the law. The Ten Commandments. He came to fulfill them. And so he's drawing some connections between the law of Moses in Exodus 20 and matters of the heart. And remember, today we're just talking about grudges. We're going to hold it there. And I'm not going to leave you hanging, but I'll tell you how the Bible says to deal with them. And it talks about it in Matthew 5, verse 21. And here's what Jesus is saying. He said, you've heard it said that people long ago to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to the judgment. You've heard it said. These were the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and they were teaching the law. And I think we could all agree that murder is not good. Not only is it in the Ten Commandments, it's in our codified law, it just doesn't make sense that it's good. And, and the Pharisees were talking about this law. And, of course, if you just took this one law, but the Pharisees had 600-plus other things that you had to do. And James says if you falter in one of them, you falter in all the law. And so don't murder, no judgment. You shall not murder, or anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But Jesus goes further than this. He goes beyond the law, and he's trying to get into our heart. You see, this is what the Lord is trying to do to all of us every day, all of the time. He's trying to get into our heart. Yes, we can read the Bible. Yes, we can come to church. Yes, we can play Z88 on the radio. Yes, we can do all that, but he wants to get into our heart. He wants to get deep within us. He wants to reside in us, and he wants to abide in us as we abide in him. And here's what he says in Matthew 5, 22, the first part of that verse. He says, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, and Jesus is saying, look, I have come to fulfill the law, not abolish it. So I'm telling you this. Anyone who is angry with his brother or sister shall be subject to judgment. You see, the, the Pharisees at this time were so angry at Jesus. They were looking to see anything that he did. Anything that he violated as far as any law so they could crucify him. And they succeeded. See this attitude of anger. Anyone who is angry with a brother or sister. We're talking about the body of Christ. If you have this attitude of anger, I mean, you know people that have it. They go through life angry. It doesn't matter what you talk about. They want to talk about something else. Doesn't know, but matter what you say that's positive, they say, oh, yeah, but. Oh, yeah, the stock market just went up 10,000 points. Yeah, but it's liable to drop tomorrow. Or, 
hey, man, the doctor said you were great. Yeah, but it could come back. It, it just doesn't matter because they're angry at everything. And this is what uh, is in the book of 1 John 3.15. It says, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. You see, it's this attitude that Jesus wants to change. If, if you murder, what's in your heart? And when anger sits at the base of your heart, love can't be there. L love and hate, they, they're polar opposites, and God is love. And so what is in your heart? You see, if you've got a grudge or someone's got a grudge against you, there's matters of the heart that are there that need to be dealt with. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. I was in a church one time, and, uh, and all any person could say was sarcastic about everything. That's why I don't go to that church anymore. It doesn't matter what you brought up, they were sarcastic. Same thing at jobs. You know the people at your work, the negative people, the people you really don't want to be around. Jesus says this in the second part of Matthew 5, 22. Again, anyone who says to a brother, Raka, which means empty head, stupid, you fool, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. The fire of hell, uh, south of Jerusalem, there's this place called Gehenna. It was a place of eternal fire where they burned animals and burned junk and filth. And you can imagine what it smelled like. It's like a burning dump now. And they said, you'd be in danger of the fire of hell. They were talking about a place just south of Jerusalem. You, you see, anger can lead to unforgiveness. And unforgiveness can lead to a grudge. And a grudge can lead to murder. Not just physical murder. You can kill someone in your heart. You can kill someone in your mind. Matthew 5, 23 says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift, we just gave our tithes and offerings. If you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Has someone got something against you? Let me tell you, if they do, you know what it's called? Something against you is called a grudge. So how do you react to a grudge? What do you do? What's something practical you can stick in your pocket and walk out of here with today? You see, God doesn't want you to have a grudge, and he doesn't want someone to have a grudge against you. It's something that needs fixing. Matthew 5, 23, listen to what the Message Bible says. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. So in police work, we call that a clue. Listen up. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters in the event you have any doubt. If you enter your place of worship and you're about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave it immediately, and go to this friend and make things right. You see, this is called reconciliation.
You know, God sent his son for us to reconcile the sin of the world so that we could live. And he doesn't want us living with anger, hatred, malice. He doesn't want us to have a grudge. He doesn't want us to carry it. He doesn't want someone to have something against us, even if it's petty. He said, abandon your offering, leave it immediately, and go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. You see, grudges, funny thing about them, they go both ways. You see, grudges go both ways. It's talking here about a person that has a grudge against you. But chances are, if someone's got a grudge against you, you just may have a grudge against them. I'm not sure. But it's been my life experience. When I've been involved with a grudge, it's a two-way street. You wronged me. I wronged you. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And it goes back and forth day after day, week after week. It wakes you up at night. You get in the, up in the morning, and it makes you sick. It tears you apart. Grudges go both ways. And it says in Matthew 5, 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. You see, this thing about giving is you're presenting a gift to God, and God's saying, wait just a second. Something is not right. And before you bring me a gift, get your heart right. You see, heart is something we really can't see. I, I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. You don't know what's in my heart, and I don't know what's in your heart. But you see, God sees the heart. He knows our inner working. He knew us before we were born, before we were in our mother's womb. 1 Samuel 15, says this, to obey is better than sacrifice, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. We all know if you get a splinter in your hand, the longer you let it sit in there, it festers. And it gets pus around it. And it gets infected. Or how about when you're riding your bike, you fall off and you bruise your knee. You've got that asphalt. It's torn through your britches, and it's on your knee. And, and hopefully you've got a mother or father, probably a mother, it was with me, who would jerk those britches down and rinse it off with that hydrogen peroxide, that foamy stuff. It really didn't hurt that bad, but it was that foamy stuff that just, it seemed like it was doing something crazy. but it was healing. It's like a Band-Aid. Do you take your Band-Aid off slow or do you rip it off? You see, resolve it quickly. Get it over with. Do it now. And it says this, Matthew 5, 25, do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. 
You see, this is a physical state they're talking about. But think about it. If you've got a grudge or someone's got a grudge against you, the longer it stays, the worse it gets. And if your heart isn't right to fix it, you'll be in prison. You'll be imprisoned by hate and rage. The U.S. Bureau of Justice says that 90 to 95 percent of all court cases are settled with a plea bargain, an agreement, a mediator. They settle it before it goes to trial. When you go to a judge, anybody that's been involved in any kind of trial issue, you know that it's not always 50-50. You may think, man, I'm, I'm going to get out of this. I've seen hundreds of trials. They don't always go that way. It says in Matthew 5, 26, truly I tell you, you won't get out until you've paid the last penny. You see, it will bankrupt you emotionally. It will bankrupt you spiritually the longer you hold on, the longer you wait. Ephesians 4 tells us how to do this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of hate, malice. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as Christ God forgave you. This attitude, this way of life, this following, you see, grudges, they come from unforgiveness. You just can't see it to forgive them. And what I'm not saying is live somewhere and stay somewhere when you're abused. You got to get out of that, but you can still forgive them. You got to get away from someone that's hurting you. You may have to separate yourself from them that's the first step of healing is to get out of that sort of thing. Get past it. Get beyond it. And then start the forgiveness process. Because grudges come from unforgiveness. That's where they come from. Bruce Barton said this about grudges. You've tried your best to patch things up with your friend, but they're still torn. They can't let it go. They won't talk to you and don't answer your calls. What do you do? When friendship requires you to completely surrender to their point of view, when it's clear you have to give up a different friend to win their friendship back, when their pout is unreasonable and childish, it's time, it's time to bring your worries to God in prayer. In relationships where nothing looks hopeful, where every contact digs the hole deeper, Cry prayer. Pray for your friend daily, for their happiness, for their recovery, for their immediate needs. It's, he says this, time is a healer and miracles can happen, especially when God is at work bringing people together. Bruce Barton. And what if you have a grudge? Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison, later became the first president of South Africa, and he and a lot of other people have said this quote, Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it'll kill your enemy. 
Yeah. See, we're the only ones that can decide to move on if, if we have a grudge against someone. And if someone has a grudge against us, try, try, try. Scriptures say that we should not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, if we do not give up, we will reap a reward. This walk in Christian life is not a snap thing, plug and play, you know, turn it on, turn it off. It's a, it's a belief system. It's a life. It's an understanding of what you want to do. And if someone has a grudge against you, they're the only ones that can decide to move on. Our job is to make it right, to pray for them. I remember that uh, Joyce Meyer was teaching one time uh, on the battleground of the mind. She wrote a book on that. And uh, it was amazing what she said, that she had something, a great, great um, grudge against someone. And she said, I just began to pray for them. And I began to pray for them that they would be showered with gifts and that they would get great money and that God would change my mind, my battleground, so that they would be blessed. Putting God in first place and deciding that we're going to give it up, that's our job. It was in a bulletin. I didn't put this in a bulletin, but it's great. Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiveness doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. So I would ask this question as I ask it to myself. As I've prepared this for weeks and weeks, I thought about this and mulled over. Is there an area of my life, is there an area of your life where there's resentment, hate, maybe a grudge? Grudges go both ways. Grudges come from unforgiveness. Is there an area in your life, in our life, our corporate life as TLC, where we hold something? We've got it, we just don't want to get rid of it. Maybe we've hid it in a pocket or a back pocket. Maybe we've hid it in a side coat. Maybe it's something we keep at our house and only bring out when we want to chew on it at the house. If there's unforgiveness in your life, it, it's not Christ-like. If someone's done you wrong, they've done you wrong. Holding forgiveness is like holding a gallon of water straight out. Try it at home with milk if you'd like. And it doesn't have to be a gallon. It can just be a quart. See how long you can hold it out. God wants us to forgive as he forgave us. So let's bow our heads now for just a moment. Dear Father, right now, I know that uh, your word says that as we forgive, you forgive. Father, for those that are here today or can hear my voice, if they're holding on to bitterness, resentment, anger, unforgiveness, if they've got a grudge or someone has a grudge against them, Father, today I ask you to break the cord. I ask you to cut it. Father, I ask you to shatter the hard 
exterior that houses that grudge. Break it open. Bring it out so that we can deal with it. Father, I ask you right now to set the captives free that are holding unforgiveness today that you would allow them to let this go. I release bitterness. I release hatred. I release anger right now in your name. And I ask you, Father, that you would bless those who find the secret to begin to shed things that pull them down, to begin to release things that they've held. I speak an opening of hands right now for those that have been holding on and holding on and holding on. He was free as free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He whom the sun sets free is, is free, free indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you all. Bike week starts this week. May you be blessed today. May you grow in the strength and the knowledge of the Lord. I speak blessings over your lives today. Into your lives. God bless you. God bless you.